Hello, and thank you for tuning into Bible study. I hope you're having a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day here in Taos, New Mexico. Another beautiful and extra warm day here, winter warm day in Taos. And we didn't even need jackets today or anything. It was beautiful. The sun was shining and such beautiful blue skies all day. And I'm just thankful for the warm weather. I'm just thankful for all that Yahweh is doing in this hour. And before we get started today, let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, we just come before your throne room of grace. We come before you today and we thank you for who you are and for your promises that your covenant is being fulfilled upon this earth because you are not a man that you should lie, that you are faithful. And we thank you for your faithfulness today. We thank you that you are creating a new new heavens and a new earth, that old things are passing away, and that you are fulfilling your redemption in our hearts and in our lives. Through your Son, Yeshua, we thank you that we have salvation, that we have hope for the future, that we have hope because you are so faithful to your word, and we just give you honor and praise, and we thank you for your Son that came for us that died for us, that resurrected to life and brought us salvation, that we would not have separation from us and the Father, that we can come into your presence today and we invite your Holy Spirit into this study, that you would just use the words to speak, to declare which you would speak, that you would penetrate our hearts with your truth and with your wisdom, and we bind all spirits of deception and lies of the enemy that would try to hinder your work in our lives and in our hearts today, and we glorify and we magnify you in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you all for tuning in. I hope that this study blesses you. And this one is called Mount Zion or Mount Zion. And we've heard about Mount Zion. It's all throughout scriptures, throughout the Old and the New Testaments. And it is a promise. Mount Zion is the dwelling place of Yahweh and of his spirit. It is where he is chose to dwell. And I believe that, yes, it is a physical location of land and a place historically where his presence dwelt in the temple in the Davidic kingdom in Jerusalem, but it is also a place of his dwelling within us, that he dwells within us as we are temples of the Holy Spirit of God, that he has chosen to put his spirit within these earthen vessels. He has chosen to place himself within us and that we can have constant contact with the one who created us, that we do not have separation because of what Yeshua has done. He has has created a Mount Zion within our hearts. He has created this relationship that we have with the King of glory, that we do not have to be separated because of our ways or our sins any longer. He has created a covenant of grace, a covenant of mercy, of salvation, that he has placed his throne upon our hearts, that he sits upon the throne of our hearts. And when he sits upon the throne of our hearts, the other gods, the other loves, the other other places of idols and things, those things come down, that he would take precedence, that he would have our hearts 100%, and that is the restoration of his kingdom. He says the kingdom of heaven is within you, and so we are vessels of the Spirit of God, and Yahweh dwells within us. He dwells within us, inside of us, and that is his promise. That is Mount Sion, and when you look up the word in Hebrew, Mount Zion, or Mount Sion is figuratively the church, specifically militant and triumphant. And I believe that's a powerful understanding that we are Mount Zion, that he dwells within us. And that is what
what causes us to be triumphant. That's what causes us to join in his holy army, to stand and pray and to seek his face day and night on behalf of our loved ones. And because the enemy is dark and he rises up against his people, that we can stand in triumph and we can stand militantly in his kingdom, standing for our king most holy, standing and choosing who we serve. Amen. We see a beautiful prophecy in Ezekiel. And at first it talks about the way the people had fallen into idolatry, the way the land had become defiled. And then we see the fulfillment of the restoration, the fulfillment of the promises, because Yahweh ultimately allowed the enemies to come in for a time to chasten his people and to return their hearts back to him. But that was not the end of the story. No, his story ends with redemption. His story ends with restored relationship. His story ends with righteousness and abundance and his people serving him on his holy mountain, Mount Zion. And this is found in Ezekiel 36, starting with verse 8. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply you, man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young, and I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better for you than your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am Yahweh. Yes, I will cause men to walk on you, my people Israel. They shall take possession of you, and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of children. And this is talking about Mount Zion. This is the promise. This is the fulfillment for Yahweh's people. He would cleanse the land. He would rid it of enemies. He would rid it of idols and adultery and those things that had distracted his people away and restore them to their promise and restore them to that place of relationship, that promised land where there is abundance and fruitfulness and there are righteous branches. And that is what he's doing on this earth as he cleanses our hearts and he cleanses our lives of the things that are not of him, that he places himself at the throne of our hearts if we choose him and we turn to him, we welcome him. Have your way, Yahweh. Cleanse me of anything that is not of you. And I look forward to your promise. Cleanse my unrighteousness in your mercy and your compassion through the blood of your son, Yeshua, and that you would dwell within me, a holy dwelling place of Yahweh's presence, his ark, Mount Zion. And it's easy to look around this world right now and we see that it doesn't seem like these promises are being fulfilled in the natural. You see that there is death. You see that there is lack. You see that there are shortages. You see that there are different things that are taking place. And you question, is this truly being fulfilled? But we have to look at it with a spiritual lens and understand that this is the kingdom at work that is within us that is being fulfilled in our lives and in our hearts. And as he is restored 
into kingship on the throne room of our hearts, that all things fall into place because that is who our God is. And when Elijah was being threatened by death and all the prophets were being threatened and many had been killed, he was being threatened by Jezebel and he runs to a cave and he hides away. And we spoke about the prophet Elijah last week. We said that there was a spirit of Elijah that was coming and rising up to prepare the way of Messiah. And Elijah, when we read about him and he's in this cave and he's hiding because he's threatened by death. And Yahweh comes to him in a still small voice and tells him not to be afraid. What is he doing hiding in a cave? And I just hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us today that we don't have to hide in a cave, that he is raising us up in this hour and that he will defeat our enemies and we will be triumphant and we will be victorious because that is his promise, because that is who he is. And that is Mount Sion, a militant, victorious church that he is rising up in this hour and we will not be defeated by the enemy. It might look like that on the outside. But God encouraged Elijah, and we read about that encouragement being fulfilled in the New Testament in Romans 11. This story of Elijah being re-spoken of, and this is where Elijah was questioning God, and this is where Paul is now bringing up that verse from before, and he's equating it to what was taking place with Yeshua, with his people, and how Yahweh was fulfilling his prophecies from old, from Elijah's time now in the New Testament with Messiah, with Yeshua. This is Romans 11 verse 3. It says, Yahweh, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. And that was Elijah being quoted there. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. And he's basically telling him that there is a remnant that he has raised up by the grace and mercy of his own covenant, of his own promises, that he has raised up a people that will not bow to the gods of this world, that Elijah was not alone. He was not alone in a cave. There was many prophets that had been sustained in that hour that had not bowed their knee to Baal, to the God of Jezebel, to the God of this world. And that is what we see Baal is how you say that name. We see the God Baal in this nation that represents selfish pride, sexual immorality, idolatry. We see that kind of idol raised up in this nation right now. And you might feel like Elijah hiding in a cave, feeling like the enemy has won. No, he has not won. There are many that he has. There is a remnant that Yahweh has sustained for this hour. They have not bowed to Baal, but it's not of themselves. It is of the grace and mercy of Yahweh that we exist at all. It is not of our own strength and it is not of our own doings and accomplishments. It's because of him. It's because of his spirit that is alive. And what about the rest of Israel? Those ones that had rejected Yeshua and rejected his salvation. What about Israel's people, the ones that crucified Yeshua? Here we're seeing a remnant 
But that's not a remnant. That was the multitude that had rejected Yeshua, crucified him. Those were Yeshua's people. The house of Israel that rejected him in the Bible says that they were blinded for a time to allow the Gentiles in. That they were made stubborn and hard-hearted to make an opening for more. To make an opening for those who had been wild, who had chased after other gods, the Gentiles that were not of the house of Israel. They were not born Israelites. These Gentiles had been adulterous and idolatrous, and yet Yahweh was calling them in. And so his own people had to reject him to make room for the Gentiles, that the Gentiles would be engrafted into the family tree. And the root, of course, is our King Yahweh. That is the root. So we have been engrafted into the family tree, that he would work good for them too. For Israel's fall made room for others to share in the rich root, both Jew and Gentile. And we read about this in the same chapter, Romans chapter 11. So we see this covenant picture. It is a big picture. It is for Israel. It is for the Gentiles. Can you imagine? This is a fulfillment of the scripture we read in Ezekiel. Mount Sion, the fruitful branches that are multiplying. It's not just a branch that was only for young always chosen people, but then he would engraft in these other branches, these wild branches, these Gentiles into the same family tree to share in the rich root, both Jew and Gentile. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 11, and if some of the branches were broken off, and that was for a time, the stubborn, hard-hearted people of Israel were broken off for a time, and you you Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. And that's to give the Gentiles perspective. Don't be talking about the people of Israel because Yahweh allowed that to happen so that you could come into the family tree and his purpose and his covenant are for all of Israel, that all of his people would come into the knowledge of salvation and that all of Israel would be saved. That is his covenant promise. Oh my gosh, we limit him so much. And this is such a beautiful big picture of what he's doing according to this scripture. Verse 24 says, for if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. So he's saying you were a wild olive tree and now you've been grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? And so all of Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And this is the fulfillment of our Yeshua because he took away our sins for his people, for the Gentiles. He took them away so that we can have relationship with him, so that we could know him and commune with him and have connection with him, that we know where to turn to in our trials and in our sicknesses and difficulties, that we have a rock, a salvation, our Yeshua, that no matter what is taking place upon this earth, we turn to him, our hope and our salvation. So think about it. He cut off branches and then engrafted his own 
branches back in. He cut off branches to allow the wild ones in, and then he's now going to take those ones that he cut out to graft them back in, because the deliverer has come out of Zion and will turn away ungodliness. And that's his covenant, that he takes away our sins. And when we look at that quote that's being quoted there in Romans, it's from his scripture in Isaiah 59, 20-21, and it says it a bit different, and it expands it. And I want to read that for you, because this is where that scripture comes from. A lot of times in the New Testament, you'll see these quotes of scriptures from the Old Testament, and it's good to go back to that reference and read it and see where the scripture came from in the context from where it came. And it says, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says Yahweh. And that expands it because we turn away from transgression through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that is within us. We turn to our King Yahweh forever. We turn away from the things of the past by his spirit. He's the one that cleanses and does it and purifies us and makes us desire to follow him, to follow in his ways, to then covenant back to him with the love that he has given to us. Verse 21 says, as for me, says Yahweh, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says Yahweh, from this time forevermore. So we see he takes away our ungodliness through the power of his spirit. He places his words upon our heart. He puts them upon our minds. He causes us to walk out his word in spirit and in truth. That is his work in us as he cleanses us and turns us from transgressions that his words would not depart from our offspring and their offspring. So we're seeing this training up the children in the way they should go because he places his spirit in us, the teacher, the comforter, to teach our children to bring and raise them up in the word, and also that that would extend down through the generations. Romans 11 verse 29 says, for the gifts and the calling of Yahweh are irrevocable. And do you hear that? Those gifts were for his people, and they're irrevocable because God is faithful. We have been unfaithful, but he is faithful. He is not a man that he should lie, so he is faithful to his word. He is faithful. When he places his word in our hearts, it's that we would know his promise, that we would know his faithfulness. That's his word. And his gifts and callings are irrevocable. He's not going to take it away. He's not going to take away his word that he promised because that's his word. This is verse 30. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. So we see these are the Gentiles. They were once disobedient to God, but now they've obtained mercy through the people of Israel's disobedience. They were disobedient. The people of Israel were disobedient. But we see that because of their disobedience, the Gentiles were allowed mercy in to the kingdom. And even so, these also have now been disobedient. And then we see the disobedience of God's people there. But through the mercy shown you, the mercy that was shown to the Gentiles, they also then obtain mercy. So we see there's mercy for Gentiles. There's mercy for the people of Israel. And God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on 
channel. We fall short of the glory. We fall short of his glory and he allows that disobedience. He allows us to fall short so that we can have mercy, so that we can also be obtaining mercy because that mercy we obtain then blesses other people. The mercy we obtain then becomes our message of salvation. God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. We cannot stand in our own righteousness and in our own self-righteousness because we all need mercy and we all need forgiveness. And when we have been given so much mercy and forgiveness and that has allowed others mercy and forgiveness, then there's mercy for all. You see, there's a big picture here for Mount Zion, for that holy mountain for his branches, there is a holy picture. And we read about that again in Psalms 132, 8 through 18. It says, Rise up, Yahweh, come to your resting place, you and your powerful ark. May your priests be clothed with righteousness, and may your faithful people shout for joy. Hallelujah. That is what happens when he rises up within our temples, and he comes to rest his presence in our hearts, and he clothes us in righteousness. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. Yahweh swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my decree that I will teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. For Yahweh has chosen Sion. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation and its faithful people with a shout for joy. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown he wears will be glorious. And again, we're talking about this horn, right? And the horn is a symbol of strength, of power, of victory. So he is making his horn grow for David, and that is Yeshua, the righteous one, the anointed one. That is who he is. That is our Messiah. And Zacharias speaks of this horn also when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and John the Baptist has just been birthed. Now remember Zechariah, when we spoke about him last week, he didn't believe that his prayer had been answered. In fact, he was dumbfounded by it. Gabriel stood before him and told him he was going to have a son, and he thought, I'm super old and my wife is super old. How is this even possible? Remember that the angel made him mute. He was called to be mute for a while because he didn't believe in the salvation that was there. He didn't believe that his prayer had been answered. He didn't believe it. So he was made silent until the fulfillment of the promise because sometimes we need our mouths to be silenced because we're going to be speaking not the salvation. We're going to be speaking in fear or doubt. And that is not what we're called to do on this earth. We are called to speak, to declare of the salvation of our God, of Mount Sion, of the fulfillment of his promises of a new heavens and a new earth. We're not called to speak doubt into the atmosphere. We're called to declare his promises and his salvation the good news of the gospel. So Zechariah was muted for all those months until John the Baptist was born. And that is when his tongue was loosed and it was loosed through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and he declares this beautiful song 
of praise, of the fulfillment of God's covenant, this promise to his people through Yeshua, the anointed one, and how his son was going to be a prophet of the Most High with the spirit of Elijah who would prepare the way for Messiah. So we see that this passage in Luke is the fulfillment of Psalms 132, the righteous horn of David rising up through the anointed one. Let's read it. Luke 1, 69 through 77. It says, Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is Yahweh, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for he will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion. The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In glory, hallelujah, this is a powerful prophecy that has come from the mouth of Zechariah, who at once was doubting that this would be fulfilled. And I don't know about you, you might be like Elijah hiding in a cave, or you might be like Zechariah doubting what's happening as you see things in the natural, but we don't look with natural eyes. We look with kingdom vision. Like we talked about last week, we look with the eyes of the kingdom to see that Yahweh is fulfilling his purposes, his covenant. He is cleansing the land, and he is preparing preparing it for the branches that will be fruitful and abundant on Mount Zion. That is his holy promise. That is his presence in our lives. We do not have to be disconnected from the root. We do not have to be cut off from the vine because we have Yeshua that has saved us, our anointed one, our righteous horn that has sprouted up through his death and through his resurrection. He has brought us into relationship with the King most holy. He has brought us into right relationship and right standing with him and he has fulfilled his covenant of mercy and we can receive that being dwelling places of his Holy Spirit being dwelling places of his presence and of his ark that we would be useful in these last days and I just thank him because he is fulfilling his promises for his remnant he is fulfilling his promises for Israel he is fulfilling his promises for the Gentiles and this is a big picture bigger than we can imagine his salvation for his creation is big. And we just give you glory, Yahweh. We thank you for your expanding our vision and expanding our understanding of your kingdom, that you are the king of glory, king most high. You are fulfilling your promises upon this earth, and you are reminding us of your promise. You are reminding us of your covenant, that we can turn to you. We can prepare you the way, as the spirit of Elijah has risen up in this hour, to prepare the way for your coming, that we would be mighty. You useful mouthpieces for your salvation through the forgiveness of our sins because we know that we have all sinned and fallen short, but we have obtained mercy because you are merciful. We have obtained salvation because you're awesome and filled with compassion to shine upon us in darkness that we would turn into your glorious light. And we just give you glory and honor and praise in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. I just pray that this word has blessed you and 
encouraged you. It has certainly touched my heart today. And I just thank you for listening. What a mighty king we have who sits upon the throne room of our hearts. If he's not on the throne of your hearts, invite him in. That there would be no separation between you and him because he's beckoning us every single day to open that door. That we are gates and we say, oh, king of glory, come in and have your way in my life. Sit upon the throne of my heart and anything that would keep me from receiving that, get it out of my way through your mighty Holy Spirit. Amen. I pray you guys have a beautiful week and we'll see you next time. Yahweh bless you.